Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and this is the show where we uh, we talk we talk about yesterday's slate through Results DB. Take a look at some sharp sharper players lineups and exposures and everything. Maybe take a little look about what's going on today in MLB, or or talk about whatever you want. I mean, like the. This show is guided by you in the YouTube chat. So uh, yesterday we built the lineup for uh, the early, that three game early slate. Uh, I, I, I broke even. I mean, we got the, we got the Royals against McCullers, but didn't get schooled because we played the other thing or whatever. Uh, the Cubs and the Rockies actually put up more runs even in seven innings. So, I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. So we could do that, I guess, maybe. Maybe for the little three-game early slate or talk about the late slate or whatever you want in the YouTube chat. I see you guys in there. Suki Singh, card fan, Michael Dampier, uh, Jerome Lewis, Yao, Yao, Pete. Sterling Woods, Daniel Hutchins, ha Hog Lawrence, Rob F., G.R. Sarceda, Doug Montgomery, Tim Light. Hit that thumbs up button, right? You know what to do. Hit the thummy thumbs for me. Give me the love. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you're new. Hit the notification bell to know when the channel goes live. We got we the NFL schedule should be coming out soon. We got a ton of stuff for NFL. Next month it's going to be just constant nonstop shows, and content, and everything. We got we got like we got like two weeks before the before the season starts, right? And I'm 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 at the point where maybe I'm finally catching up on on who's on what team, right? That that's where I am, right? Because I don't pay attention to the preseason. I don't pay attention to Wake me up the Thursday before the before the first first DFS slate, right? Of the regular season. Some people grind preseason DFS, and I, I can see that there'd be an edge there. Is it worth it for me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't do it. Uh so we'll 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 be talking next month. It'll be all over the place. So it won't be just MLB. It'll be MLB, NFL, MMA, soccer, whatever, whatever it is. Right? You could learn something on this show regardless if you don't play the sport. That's because it's all about strategy, it's all about game theory here. So yesterday, yesterday it seems seems like the sharp move was to fade uh, Otani, which which I which I kind of did. I I I very little Otani. I had little Otani. I I completely whiffed on the the ownership yesterday. Completely, <laughs> I I completely whiffed on the ownership. I'm not not completely. Okay, maybe not completely. Completely. I thought I thought Otani would be like twenty percent off, not twenty six percent off. I thought Wheeler and Woodruff and Ray would be the highest owned pitchers. I thought Wheeler would be like 30, 38% owned. Woodruff would be 30. Ray would be like 28, something like that. But it was way more spread out. When I saw Woodruff come in 17%, I'm like, up. Oh. I I uh, I ended up with more. I actually ended up over the field, even though I thought I was going to be un- way under the field. Same thing with the Wheeler. Wheeler had like 20% Wheeler. I'm like, oh, if I knew he was 28% owned, I probably would have played more. Instead, I mean, not over, but still more than I did. And Robbie Ray, I was, I, he was my highest exposed pitcher. I had like 40% him, but I played a lot of Walker Bueller thinking that he would be, he would be the, 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 the contrarian play. But no, actually he had, he came in higher owned than Woodruff and Snell. And I played a little Snell, a little Giolito, a little Castillo. Trying to get different at pitcher. Didn't play. Didn't play much of uh, uh, Josiah Gray. I actually, played stacks against him. Edward Cabrera. I said about about the field. Oh, it's a five K pitcher. It's like uh, d- d- 
how much do I want to put stock in the guy making his major league debut? It's not like he had a bad outing, but he only had two strikeouts. Robbie Ray goes out and strikes out 14. You're pretty much going to need him. Just looking at this, it's like the, the consensus thing was more you know, like Ray, obviously. But people were over on Josiah Gray. This is it's, it's a usual suspects. Not many went Giolito. I had way more Giolito than than this. I had like twenty percent Giolito. Ah, Ford, no, I think it was fourteen. I couldn't. I could. He couldn't fit into lineups a lot more times. Okay, and then uh, the chalk yesterday, bats wise. Bats wise, we got what the uh, the Red Sox, the Indians, or the Guardians. They're still the Indians, right? They're still we still call them the Indians. The Diamondbacks. That was a little bit questionable. I know they were cheap. We got the Indians, the Twins. The Twins were cheap, but they, I mean they got there. The Twins, the Red Sox, the, the Angels. The truck kind of got there yesterday. In the beginning, it was dicey. In the beginning, it was pretty dicey. In the beginning, it was like, do you have Brandon March? Do you have Robbie Ray? It's like, okay, I got them too. I got by, I'm over them both. Let's go. And then just everything comes in. Well, Ramirez, I mean, Cleveland didn't get there, right? Rosario, two points at 22%. Ramirez, 20%, no points. I didn't have that much at, the, much at Cleveland. But I was on, I, I was, I had plenty of Boston, but just not as much as, not, not as much as the field. Teams I had the most of yesterday was, uh, was the Phillies, the Mets and the Giants, and then the Red Sox. The Red Sox were at that point where I, I don't know if they were going to be efficiently owned or just slightly over-owned, like Schwarber's over-owned. I mean, that, that, that's easy. Bogart's 19%, but a lot of these Red Sox were, were not that, Overall, like Kiki Hernandez, like the the Red Sox stack was going to come in at like a total of like ten to twelve percent of lineups. I'd be like, okay, I think that's efficient. Even though they would be one of the the chalkier stacks, it was wasn't one of those stacks where they're like they're overowned by the extent in which you should be playing much of them at all. Cleveland, I thought, was more of that. I thought Cleveland was way over. I thought Minnesota was way over. I didn't have much. I didn't have much Minnesota, which obviously hurt me, right? Didn't have much Polanco or Josh Donaldson. Jeffers, Jeffers down. Okay, they didn't do that well. Sano, right? 14. You just have to basically fill out, you know, fill out your Angels, Red Sox, Angels, Red Sox, and uh, Twins lineups. Then we had, then you had to sweat. Then, then if you had that, you still have to sweat out like the longest slate in the history of slates for the MLB. Then the Dodgers Padres game, which is the latest game on the slate, that that goes that goes what sixteen innings. I don't think that game ended until four in the morning Eastern. We stayed up for that sweat. Who did it? Who had to sweat that? Green Rush, whoever that guy. Was, one entry. Euler Ray, one, two, three, four man Angels. Three-man Boston and Josh Donaldson. Yeah, I guess that'll do it. Yeah, not much else you and not much else you need. All right, Daladino, what was his best one? Woodruff Wheeler. That didn't even have Ray. Yeah, if he had Ray, he would have. He would have. He would have won. Minnesota five-man: Will Smith, Kyle Schwarber, Cedric Mullins, one-offs. 
Okay, that's that's awesome. Yeah, all the twelve the twins got pretty much got in double digits. Osmos top lineup. Similar. One one, two, three, a four man angels, three twins, and uh, and Will Smith's twenty six. Yeah, the highest scoring catch. There's a Baltimore stack. Yeah, I mean you yeah, the right three Baltimore outfielders hit home runs, right? They three Baltimore outfielders at over 20 points. Snell Woodry. Yeah, Snell did well. Not Ray. But that's kind of the combinations that you need. Yeah, if you, if you had Baltimore, the Baltimore five man really didn't do enough. Right, Mancini, Urias. The other guy, just all the outfielders. What's Neil's best lineup? Yeah, here's Cleveland. Right, Cleveland got like, depending on who you played on, right. Jose Ramirez and Ahmed Rosario didn't get there. Who the most most owned pieces of the Cleveland stack, but the other the other places got there. Well, Straw didn't. But Mercado had a home run. Reyes had a home run. Yu Chang had a big game. Austin Hedges has a home run. Yeah, I mean Cleveland got there, just not the most two most owned pieces of the stack didn't make it. Didn't make it. So yes, and he didn't have either in this line. I like this line with, with the 2%, 2 like you could, you could wander Franco one off. You're still playing chalky Jared, Jared Walsh. You're still getting somewhat different in the picture. Woodruff wheel a combination. I compare that to the percentages up here. I mean, instead of playing a chalk, Carl Schwarber, who's still got there. So it'd be very hard to find a lot of Brandon Marsh one-offs. Most likely is 28 is going to come by way of a stack. See, let's see nerdy tenors. Best lineup. Stasi. This is a 3-3-2. Adele, Marsh, Stasi, Blanco, Donaldson, and Hoskins, Galvis, Harper. Obviously, Galvis doesn't do anything. Harper. Look, Harper. 5%, Galvis 2% of the Hoskins 9%. I thought the Phillies were under on this game. I thought the Mets Giants game was, was under on for the pitchers that they had. Walker and Quito. Yeah, it didn't work out. You're right. And the Mets left so many people on base yesterday. Anytime I see Pete Alonso with that, he has like have its bases loaded and it's a ground, it's a Double play or a flyout. Like, please, can, 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 we, can we do how many how many people are you gonna leave on base, Petey? Right? And then Javier Baez doesn't know how to run the bases, right? And it's the Mets. I should have known better, right? <laughs> they could have scored a lot of runs. They had base runners the whole game. They just couldn't get them in. Looking at the YouTube chat. Michael Dapier asks, hindsight, if you knew Ray would be 25% and Wheeler 28%, would you have had less Ray and more Wheeler? Or just more Wheeler and less something else? I, I don't know if it would have necessarily affected my Ray. My Ray. I think it would have more, of a, more affected my Giolito and Castillo. Right, because I, play, I played like 15% to 18% Giolito and Castillo on DraftKings. Because they were going, I mean, they're they were they're in the single digit of ownership. And those guys have plenty of upside. But thinking that Wheeler was going to be 38% owned, well, 
that's going to come out of that's going to come out of my Wheeler exposure more likely. So if, if I knew Wheeler was only going to be twenty eight percent owned, which is, I think under actually under owned, I thought his efficient ownership is somewhere around thirty two percent, like somewhere around there. I thought Ray's efficient ownership was around thirty five percent, like somewhere around there. So Wheeler would then be under owned instead of me having. 18 or 20% Wheeler, I'd end up with 25 to 20. I'd, I'd, I'd end up with actually closer to efficient ownership of, of Wheeler, of what, what I believe, 28%. And but where would that come out? If it wouldn't come out of Ray, because if Ray was going to be 25% and I think he should be 35%, I'm still going to have way, I'm going to have way more of him. Just to make Wheeler and same for Woodruff. I thought Woodruff would be 20, you know, high 20s, low 30s. And he ended up with 17, and I had I had about 18% of him. So had I known that, I thought his efficient ownership was somewhere in the high 20s. I would have more of him, which it just makes just makes Castillo and uh, uh, Giolito lineups unnecessary. So it's more likely that I, that it would have came out of that than than Robbie Ray. If I knew Ray was 25%, if Ray ended up being 38 to 40%, then it would have flipped the other way. Then I would have had much less right. I don't know if you, you understand the, the concept behind that. You're still making lineups. Like, like, yeah, you could go all like if Wheeler's 28 and Ray's 25, you could have just said lock button on both of them and just build 100 lineups that way. I mean, you could. I like being a little bit more diversified. But I also like playing high, high ceiling pitchers at low ownership, right? Blake, you know, Blake Snell. He was what, 7% though? I, I had 10%. I thought that was like efficient. He did well. But I wasn't going to be over the field on Edward Cabrera. I wasn't going to be over the field on, on Josiah Gray or any of those types of guys. Like, what? why? The salary was like irrelevant on yesterday's slate. You tried to, you, you tried to build 5X, 5-3 type lineups yesterday. Like you can build practically anything you want, especially with the, the Angels projecting well and the Twins projecting well and the Indians projecting well and they're cheaper. Like you could you could build you could build plenty of Woodruff Wheeler lineups with those teams. Yeah, maybe you don't get Schwarber in the lineup. Maybe you don't get JD Martinez. You don't get the, you don't get Jared Walsh in that lineup for the Angels, right? You get something else. But with that, like why am I why am I how why am I what lineups have five K pitchers? How many of those can I make? It just seemed unnecessary. The salary, I mean, I had some of my lineups, I left the 2,000 on the table to make a 5-3 combination that projected better than other lineups. Well, what am I going to do, not play those? Because I'm leaving 2,000 on the table? But I'm not going to leave 2,000 on the table to go from Robbie Ray to Josiah Gray. Like, no, I'm going to I'm gonna take the, the, the pedigree pitcher and just go, well, how... Josiah Gray has to beat out too many like stud pitchers on this. Like, you know, I don't want to call them studs, but significantly higher talent pitchers. That's why I don't want to. I didn't want to rely on Gray and Cabrera much. Look at look at the slate for pitching. We had Ray Wheeler, Woodruff, Snell, Giolito, Castillo, Bueller. Yes, yes, it's quite possible that Cabrera and Gray. Or any of the other, if you want to play whatever one of the other pitchers, could outscore one of those six, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, 
quite possible. One of those guys gets blown up and Cabrera has 20 points. And it's like, oh, I got 20 for 5,000 and so much better than that one guy, right? Wheeler gets blown up and he has seven points, right? That type of thing. Yeah, but there's five other guys with that skill set that's up there. So you're gonna have to beat out so many of them, right? Look how many, look how many pitchers scored like 30 points yesterday. Ace pitchers, right? Snell, Woodruff. Wheeler came close. I mean, he had a bad, I mean, he had a bad, they left him out in the ninth inning and he gave up some runs. Bueller put up almost 30. Ray obviously was the highest scorer in slightly. Like, you didn't have to beat out all of those guys. Uncrabby Cavi. Hey, Jordan, how would you determine what you think the efficient ownership should be? By building lineups? I mean, most of the time when I'm saying this, I'm, I'm going completely by, by feel. You could simulate it out. Run lineups. If you don't know, if you're not experienced, just run lineups and lineup HQ. Set a cap. I've showed you this before. Set a cap. You don't want 100%. No, nothing's going to be 100% owned, right? Figure out who the highest owned batter and highest owned pitcher is going to be. What you what you believe they what what you believe they are. And put the put the hitter max. You know, no batter on this what we have a this how nine game slate. Let's take a look at this player. Right, so Scherzer for we have ownership at forty percent. Right, you can even go by this 40, 40. Is Alex would give me thirty one percent owned. I don't think so. Let's say 40% for a pitcher. Hitter. Who's the highest on? Kyle Schwarber, again. Again. Kyle Schwarber, never not going to be the chalk. 28%. So let's put it at 30 and 40. Just whatever. All right, just, just based on the bat projections. I'd be more inclined to do this with, with a set of aggregate projections. But your goal here is to just be directionally accurate. Exact. Don't try it. I, I don't. I don't. Try, I don't play to be exact. I play to be directionally correct. More often than not. So you can make. You can build a. You can build a simulation system to. You know, do what like nerdy tenor does. What is the efficient? I want to have sixteen percent of this guy because he should be sixteen percent. Right. That type. You could do that. Ninety nine point nine percent of people don't have a system in order to do that. So I'm going to build. I even just build 150, whatever, make it, make it quicker. Number of unique players. Let's, you know, we need one. All right. Cause we have the, already have the caps. I'll make it two. Cause there'll be some, a little bit of diversity. 49,000 to five, whatever, whatever. Mod I already did. I'm modifying this. What is it? What is, what is it telling me? Already mod modified. Okay. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. There. I made it zero. Just to see what it comes out. Like if you were if you were to build using the, the median projections as it stands right now, how much of certain people would you get? You set a cap at the top. And you see what happens. Okay. So there we go. Here we, we're at 150. This is without even stacking or anything. Okay. How many lineups would these guys fit in? Let's even do it with stack because that's a little bit more realistic for GPPs. 
Let's stack, just stack five, and that's it. Just stacking five with one-offs. Don't even do five today. Two uniques, whatever. You don't have to be exact. So we're going to run 150. And what we're going to see is based on your projection set. I'm using the bat projections. You could use whatever projection set that you, you trust or you use. You could aggregate and average them all out if you want and then put them in. And you're just going to run line. What, what, a lineup, what do lineups look like that have high median projections for, for this list? Then you compare who's showing up more versus the what they're projected to be owned. And go, that guy should be more owned. By what extent? I don't know. I don't know the exact extent. But it's going to be closer to the extent that they're in your lineups. Right? What's the efficient ownership? I don't know. I'm not going to know the exact. I'm going to, I'm going to have a feel about what the range should be based on how many lineups they fit. So I was building lineups yesterday. It's like I could fit in Woodruff and Wheeler and all these lineups and still be fine. So that's why I expected them to be higher owned. Like the efficient ownership, these guys should be higher. You can build, you can build cheap lineups and be perfectly fine. And I thought that's what the field was going to do more of, but they didn't. And that's why those and that's why those pictures came in lower than I expected. Like, why are people going to build Dodgers stacks when the two highest priced pitchers in a Ranger stack actually project better? Or the Indians? Or that you know, I thought that was the chalk. People are going to do Indians, Twins, uh, Woodruff, Wheel, like that type of line. Ray, Ray, Wheel, one of one of two of the three. I'm like, okay, how do I not play that line? I'll look at the pieces of that line. Okay. So you take a look at like, let's go to pictures, for instance. Okay. So I'm jamming in. I'm just 150, just cap it at 40. So this would tell you that, that based on the bad projections, Patrick Corbin is uh, significantly under-owned at 2%. <clears throat> if that's his, if that ends up being his ownership projection. I mean, we're, we're talking, we're 11, it's 11 in the morning. Kikuchi may actually be overowned at 25%. Like compared to Eliezer Hernandez, like we see here, Darvish may actually be underowned. Not because he should be 19% owned. I don't know what he should be. Like, should Corbin be 40% owned? Probably not. That's that's probably way too high to be his efficient ownership. But it's definitely not two. Maybe his efficient ownership because of his price and how. Uh, he lands into lineups. Maybe his efficient ownership should be 16. Eliezer Hernandez, maybe his efficient ownership is 28%. Kikuchi may only be like 16. Maybe his efficient ownership is 16. Darvish's efficient ownership may be 10. Because remember, we didn't set caps on the teams. I'm going to get a look how much Red Sox you're going to get, right? So unless you're planning on playing Red Sox in every lineup, then, 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 oh, you're going to have to play like like I didn't cap, I didn't cap what, what you're right. We're getting all this Red Sox. But based on lineup construction in general, you can see, oh, Sale and Scherzer. Like, should they be 40% owned? I don't know. Set the cap higher and see, do they come in, in a lot of lineups? Hernandez, Corbin, Hernandez, Corbin. Do we have like, do we have Sale, Scherzer lineups? Yeah, what are Sales? Yeah, and you get the Indians, right? I mean, like, the two chalk teams on this, the two chalk teams. If you're going to go cheap, 
Sale Scherzer. These lineups are going to look like Rangers, Indians. You have one of Goldschmidt one-off, I guess. Rizzo one-off over here. That's what they're going to look like. So basically, if you just use the bat projections, Sale Scherzer lineups look more like Indians, Red Sox, Twins. And then the cheaper pitchers allow you to just basically pay up for those teams. Now you're able to play for Admiral Reyes or J.D. Martinez or something, right? Or Kyle Schwarber or whatever. It doesn't change. It doesn't really change all that much. And you look at the batters and you go, well, here. now it's all based around, you know, what you could fit in your lineup. So you could see that the Red Sox come in a lot, that the Cardinals come in a lot. For Admiral Reyes, 14%. He's showing up in 30% of your lineups. So maybe Fran Mino Reyes is actually under-owned at 14%. Maybe he should be 90. We also have the, the I mean, uh, the Indians are going to be owned, but they're also in combination with these two chalk pitchers. So Bradley Zimmer, 30%. Devers at 30%. So if you try jamming this in with 30% being the cap, This is what comes out. You're going to have to play a lot of Yohel Pozo at whatever. It's probably, what, minimum price probably? But you see here, Hunter Renfro, 17%. He's only going to get 2% owned in a Boston stack, and Boston's going to be a chalk team. Hunter Renfro should be more than 2% owned. Should he be 17% owned? I don't know, but it's probably somewhere in the middle. Probably should be 12% owned. He's going to be two, so he'll probably play more of them. Same for the same for the rain the, the Rangers stack. You can play the rain. You can play cheap Rangers, and you're gonna what? The, why not play DJ Peters? He showed up at 11 percent of your lineups. Only gonna be three percent owned, according to the, according to this projection. Uh, we're going under the under the guise that the, this number is accurate. That's how you could do. You just look and see who who shows up a little bit more than they should, and then you, what you could do, you could also cap the stacks. Right, because realistically, no one's going to play more than you know a nine-game slate. You'd see how you, you could. I mean, we don't have it now. You could go to see what the ownership of the stack, the average ownership of the stack is. But on this slate, I don't see. I don't see any stack getting more than twenty percent, even those Indians and the, the the Red Sox. So maybe you cap that, and then you start. Then you build. Let's do the one fifty again. No batter more than thirty percent. No pitcher more than forty percent. And no stack more than 20%. And then just see what the projections spit out. It's not going to look that much different than what we just looked at. It's just not every lineup is going to be Boston, Texas, Minnesota type of thing. Just to get a sense. Did I just, did I show you exact numbers? No, I don't know the exact numbers. And the more and more you do something like this, the more and more you don't even have to do it anymore. You understand the dynamics of roster construction. Well, two expensive pitchers, cheap stack. Cheap pitchers, expensive stack. Like paying up at shortstop, paying down at outfield. Like you understand the roster dynamics of how lineups can, can be constructed and you can just visualize it in your head. And you become a little bit more instinctual. Where you could look and you go, expensive pitchers should be more owned based on this. And then they end up not being or whatever. 
So here we go. We still get the pretty much the same pictures, right? Still pretty much. Now we get more. Yo, get a lot of Brandon Belt. Assuming that is a one-off, right? First base. First base must be weak for for the teams that you know. For obviously, uh, the Red Sox may not even have an eligible first baseman playing. Maybe Brandon Belt goes on the mound. But look, we get a ton of Jason Martin. We get a ton of these Rangers. Still get you still get a ton of ton of these teams, but we may get some of the <coughs> we sort by team. But let's sort by team. Like we just get you, you get a Diamondback stack here. So there's a Diamondback stack. I'm doing this bit more so than showing you the stack stuff. You get the, here's the Red Sox. But you see here, Travis Shaw, Hunter Renfro, probably going to be under-owned relative to the stack. So if you decided to go, oh, I'm going to play the Red, Red Sox, Chalky Red Sox, maybe you play with Renfro, Shaw, Vasquez. There, this, this, this discrepancy in ownership shouldn't exist. You play less Schwarber and more Renfro. Kyle Schwarber seems to be overowned at 28%, but not, not wildly so. Probably Schwarber's efficient ownership is maybe 18, maybe. Bogarts maybe a little bit higher, only because he's a short, only eligible at shortstop, right? Scarcer position. Then you look at the Indians. And you go, oh, maybe Miles Straw ends up being overowned. Maybe Daniel Johnson ends up being underowned. Andres Jimenez, you play him instead of one of these players. Okay. You look here, you, get, you don't get much Dodgers. You don't get much Royals. You get some Minnesota. Some in, against Sale. You get a, plenty, you get a lot of uh, Yankees because they, they seem way too cheap. Rizzo, Gallo. Judge isn't that cheap. You see here, you know, where, where's Stanton? Is, unless he's not in the projected lineup. I don't know. So you look at this and you go, okay, maybe Aaron, Ju Aaron Judge, he's going to be 4% owned. And I'm getting 11% of him in my 150 build doing just doing research. Maybe his efficient ownership is closer to 11 than it is to four. So I would, I'd want to play more of him. We look here, let's say for Bryce Harper. Because basically this, this is the spot where Kyle Schwarber, or, you know, Red Sox, Franville Reyes would be, you go, okay, Harper seems to, the efficient ownership seems to be closer to 11 than it is to two. So if he's going to be two, I want to play more. Brandon Belt may actually, if he's going to be 15% owned, it's quite possible he's under-owned. For the first baseman's, first base position available on the slate, say from Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, take a look at this discrepancy. It's jamming in one-offs of Goldschmidt at 22% owned where Brandon Belt is 15%, lower owned. I don't know if they have better projection, but it can't, it can't be that. They'll probably be close. So maybe guys like this end up going under owned. Maybe Goldsmith should be 22%. Maybe he should be. I don't think so. But I don't know if he's significantly over owned. The same thing for like Adolis Garcia at like, Barely, the, the, the Rangers don't cost anything tonight. 
right? But Juan Soto is only fitting into like 2% of lineups. And he's going to be 8% owned while I'm getting a ton of Bryce Harper at 11% or Aaron Judge at 11%. Like that makes Soto over him. If he's project, if obviously, like I said before, we're assuming these numbers are accurate. So there you go. But am I coming up with an exact number? No, it's purely based on being directionally accurate. And then what do you do with that information? You want, if we want to try to exploit the field, then you'd be playing more lineups with those players, more types of lineups with those players and those combinations than you would other lineups. And there you go. And you play them, and then whatever happens, happens. Number 427, Jordan, on average, to bigger slice slates, 10 plus. Do you ever stack teams that have negative leverage in Slate IQ? I stack all the teams. What does it matter? Slate IQ is not there to tell you who to play, okay? That's not what Slate IQ is for. Okay, let's take a look at Slate IQ yesterday, okay? It's very important. I think this is a very important concept, which I've, I've said 47 times, so it's not like this is new. Let's see, Wednesday, what's, what's yesterday's date? It's like I never, you can never find it on the actual site because there's no link to it anymore. August 25th. Okay, there, I think we got it. Slate IQ is not there to tell you who to play. Period. End of story. That is not its purpose. Okay. If Slate IQ was accurate in simulation, Boston had an 8% Boston stack, which is a four or five hitter stack based on results from the 25 most similar slates, had an 8% chance of being the winning lineup in comparison to other stacks, right? Arizona, 5.9. Minnesota, 5.3. Cleveland, 5.0. Okay, Boston had the highest chance of winning, but the field would own them at 11.2%, which means they're negative leverage. They're the highest probability though, okay? So if you were to build Boston lineups and were trying to exploit the difference, you would have to build these lineups to make up for this leverage, which means playing Boston with the Dodgers at minus 11.5 leverage or whatever, probably is not the best way to go. So if you're building a 5-3, you'd want to play Boston with the Mets here, with the Padres, with the Blue Jays, with someone with, with pods, the Phillies, there you go. I had plenty of Boston lineups yesterday. They weren't with Minnesota though. They weren't with the Angels. I mean, maybe some got together. Maybe some, I don't know, weren't intentional. All it's doing is telling, the, here are the winning chances, and how do you make, make your lineups with them? So, yes, I have less. Because of its negative leverage, I have less of those lineups, but it doesn't mean that, those line, that you can't make a Boston lineup that isn't profitable. You can make Boston lineups with five-man stacks, at low le at negative leverage, you can make Minnesota five man stacks, no problem, that are more profitable than if I'm going to build a Baltimore 
which has a 0.7% chance, a Baltimore-Philadelphia lineup, right? You go, oh, positive leverage, positive leverage. But look how low the win chances are, 1.7 and 0.7, right? That lineup is going to be extremely high variance. That's going to be a very high, the standard deviation of that lineup is going to be very high. You could build, you could build that line. Oh, I'm building two, and then fade the Red Sox. It would make more sense to pair the Red Sox with one of those two teams. You pair the Red Sox with Philadelphia, that lineup may actually have a higher expected value than pairing two positive leverage teams together. I always say this: it depends on the lineup. Okay, this doesn't tell you who to play. Now, why did I play more of the Mets? Like the Mets, high leverage, three and a half, three point seven percent Yes. Those Mets lineups had, had Red Sox, most likely. I probably played more of them because you got more leverage by doing so. Doesn't mean I don't play the Red Sox. Doesn't mean I don't play the Twins. I don't play the Angels. No, that doesn't mean anything at all. They're still some of the highest win percentage teams. Just it's more profitable to build those lineups with the, the completely contrarian teams. So that's all that it, this tells me. It's very similar to the MMA model quote that I have. Doesn't tell me who to play. Tells me who gives me the most amount of relative value on this slate. That's all it tells me. And if I'm playing a fighter that has that's giving me a ton of relative value. I could pair that with a fighter that gives me negative, but you know they have a 70% chance of a knockout. It's like, well, they have a 70% chance of a knockout and they're going to be 80% owned. You should be fading them. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you're not getting the right odds if, but the, that assumes that that's the only fighter in your line, right? So when you, when you look at this chart and you go, oh, I can't play the Boston, I can't play Boston, they're negative leverage. I can't play Minnesota, they're negative leverage. No, that doesn't mean that. You know why? Because that's not all it now. If your lineup was five batters and you had to roster five from the same team, and that's all your lineup was, didn't have pitchers, didn't have three extra other batters, then you'd be accurate. Then you'd be accurate. You'd be like, why am I gonna play a Boston stack that no way I could fit five of the five from the same team and get positive expected value from it? Because that's the only part of my lineup is five guys from the same team. Then you'd be correct. Then playing Boston would be unprofitable. Then playing Minnesota would be unprofitable. Then playing the Angels would be unprofitable. Fortunately, you have five of the guys in your line. You can play five extremely profitable players, the rest of the lineup, but the, the highest win percent chance stack. And that lineup, the expected value of that lineup could be way higher than playing some contrarian low two things together, right? I'm going to play, I'm going to play Snell and Giolito, right? Two 6% on pitchers. I'm going to play the 1% on Miami Marlins or whatever. I look here, I had uh, the Phillies. I'm going to play the Phillies with, let uh, you take a look at another, with the Padres that are both, you know, the Phillies are 7% on and the Padres are 2% on with two 6% on pitchers. And then, you, you play that lineup and then you look at some Boston, you know, Boston Giants lineup, right? The Red Sox Giants lineup with, uh, with Robbie Ray and, and Zach Wheeler 
and you go, oh, they won the, you know, the chalk hit. They're the donkeys. It's like, no, that lineup that I just mentioned, Red Sox Giants with the two chalk pitchers could be way better of a lineup than what you ran. We ran this out a million times. That made that lineup have a higher EV. Well, how could it have a higher EV if they're playing the chalk Red Sox at negative leverage? Yeah, well, the, well, the, the Giants are positive, right? Wheeler was 28% owned. Maybe now he's, but now Wheeler should be 35, right? I mean, so it's not just like, this doesn't mean pick your teams. It means this will help you how to build your lineups. Oh, now that I know this, I have to get different in the rest of my life. Oh, okay. That's it. That's all it does. Some of these like Baltimore. Oh, it has positive leverage, but it's so infrequent that this Baltimore stack wins. Oh, so the Padres. I'm just going to go all in on the Padres and the Mets today. Yeah, but the Padres are 2.1 chance. I mean, there's teams that are three and four times higher likelihood. So does that mean I'm going to play 100 lineups and play the Padres in 80% of them? Yeah, you can. And maybe those lineups are plus EV, but you know your variance is going to be ridiculous. But this doesn't mean I'm going to play all the Padres or all the Mets. Met, Mets were one of my highest exposed teams yesterday. Okay, I played 100 lineups yesterday. Mets were my highest exposed team. You know how many Mets five-man stacks I had out of 100? 11. They were my highest exposed team. Okay? Not 50. I mean, I could have done that if I, if I don't mind the swings. Right? How many Boston stacks did I have? Five-man. Seven. They were my fourth highest exposed team. I had like every team, I had every team on the slate other than I think maybe two or three. At least I like, I think, I think I had what three Miami against what Josiah Gray or whatever. I, I had that, but that lineup would be with Red Sox. I mean, that that's the whole point. I'm using this chart. I'm using this type of that, these types of concepts to how do I build these lineups? So that's the play, whoever you want. That, that is what this means. Are Boston a good play? Well, it depends on the lineup. So it depends on what lineup it is. So you could play whoever you want. You could start with, I want to play the Brewers. And you go, okay. You could start with anything. The Brewers, based on Slate IQ, are going slightly under-owned. So it's like, oh, okay. So if I play the Brewers, like I, I could play the Red Sox with them. I could play the Angels with them a little. I can play a chalk pitcher with them. And then you decide which direction you want to go. Maybe you're like, okay, I'm going to play the Milwaukee because you already decided on that. And I'll pair that with a Boston three-man. But instead of playing uh, Wheeler, I'm going to play Snell. Because right? now, now you're making up that, that leverage at pitcher. Or you could decide to say, I'm going to play Wheeler Ray and not play Boston three-man. I'll find some, you know, how, where do I get? I'll play Toronto three-man. That's fine also. You know how many combinations of what I'm mentioning could, is possible? Thousands upon thousands upon thousands, okay? And you'd look at all those lineups, they'd all look different. And if you ran them through a simulation a million times, they'd all come close to equaling the same amount. Right? 
So it ends up being Milwaukee. You take Milwaukee and you make every possible combination of three mans and two pitchers. The ones that show the most profit are the ones that obviously give you more leverage than others. The balance between them. It's tens of thousands. You probably could make hundreds of thousands of lineups like that. And if you had to choose between one out of the 100,000 lineups like that, I'd say whichever, close your eyes. There's not going to be that much of a difference, long run. I hope you understand that. Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. And yes, obviously Slate IQ. Slate IQ on Roto-Grinders is based on the Roto-Grinders Plate IQ projections and the Roto-Grinders ownership, right? So either one of those are off. Obviously, these numbers are going to mean less. You're like, well, Boston is the highest chance, but I don't think they're going to be as owned as this. Or I'm going to, I think a team is going to be even more owned. Yeah, then obviously, right? If you think Milwaukee's going to be more owned, then obviously you're not getting 20% like you're going to, they're going to be over owned, right? So you can look here. I don't think Philadelphia, like look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia yesterday was not 1.2%. It was way higher. Philadelphia was more over here. But if the simulations only showed 1.7%, turns out Philadelphia was over owned yesterday. Assuming the simulation is accurate. Does it make them bad plays? No, just means that my Philadelphia lineups that I thought I was getting leverage with Philadelphia, I was actually giving. So Philadelphia plus Boston may not have been, may not have been plus EV lineups. That's all that, that's all that it said. That's all that it means. Some people come in and go, oh, I'm going to build out 100 lineups and X out all the, oh, I got X out Boston, X out Minnesota. It's like, okay, good luck with that. You could still make, you could still make plus EV lineups. You can actually make more profitable lineups with them than you can any other team. But if you're looking to exploit the field, you have to be careful in what you're making them because people, well, I'm going to just do Boston, Minnesota and the two truck pitchers, right? The Angels, the Cleveland. Then find out that, like, dude, every player in my lineup is 15 to 20% owned or more. I'm trying to win a 70,000 entry tournament. Like, nope, you screwed up. Make cash with that lineup, sure. It gives you very little first place winning. Okay, Nobbler, Nobber, Nobber 427, he got it. He got it. Uh, so you could use Lineup HQ. Like if you're a Roto-Grinders premium member, which you should be, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. You could, even if you're a hand builder, you could use Lineup HQ as a tool for research. Look at the back projections. If you have the back, look at the plate Q projections. Import your own projections. Aggregate around the industry projections. Change the ownership. You go, I don't think this guy's going to be this. I think I think Patrick Corbin's going to be 12% on. Then change the number. And then run lineups and go, what fits into what? 
I noticed right away that, you know, we're going to get a lot of first base one-offs today because the, the, the highest projected teams and own stacks don't seem to have quality first basemen. That's the only way that, 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 why do you think that happens? Like, oh, I'm getting 30% Brandon Belt and having no giant stacks. I'll have some, yeah, some giant stacks. Look, look at the discrepancy. Brandon Crawford, yeah, because the shortstop position is fairly weak today. Now you start to get a sense of how lineups are being built out. But most people don't think about how other people are building lineups. They go, here's, oh, yeah, well, I got to do that, and I got to do this. Like, no, well, that, the other people are going to do the same thing. I find, try to find a way to be different. Maybe it's the type of the type of concept. I don't say I'm not saying you should go hard into this extent, but if like so many people are going to be playing one off first baseman, you go the other way and say, I just always want to play the first baseman in any stack that I play, no matter if they're poorly projected. So you're playing Travis Shaw here instead of Kyle Schwarber. Okay. Now at least you're thinking. Now would you do that for every lineup? No, not necessarily. It's like, oh, I could play the Red Sox in a contrarian way by playing Shaw over Schwarber. And other people will have the Red Sox stack with another first baseman one. And I will be slightly different and get enough leverage by fading a 28% Schwarber playing a 3% on Travis Shaw. And by playing a 3% on Travis Shaw, I'm fading a 20% Paul Goldschmidt or Brandon Belt. So like you're getting like, all the leverage from not having Schwarber and then all the leverage from not having those first basemen. And then you got, you're good. Your lineup's good. You're paying like 40% worth of ownership, right? At that point, and you're just like, okay, now I can play the Red Sox, even though if they're chalk. You can think that way. That's a positional way of thinking about leverage. So many ways to be different. And those lineups could be as good as the lineups you make with Schwarber and Belt. But now you have to get that. Now you'd be different elsewhere. Now you're playing Corbin and Hernandez together. That's not going to be, that's not going to be chalk. <coughs> Michael Dompier, if you have time, are you going to make one lineup for today's three game slate? No. I have no idea what's going on for today's slate. Today's three game slate. I have more to do what's going on tonight just from doing this. I've, I have no idea. What would I do? Maybe I could I could quickly go through what would a uh, what would I do scenario. Let's take a look at. Said I've not not looked at all. Do we have is do we have double headers or any of these double headers? We'll see them in projections, right? We don't have ownership. Whatever. Let's see. Going to assume. Oh, who's going to be chalky tonight? Gray Ryu is that going to be Rodon? I don't know if people are going to play that against uh, Toronto. See, I don't know what the chalk is going to be. I'm assuming Ryu, Gray, Rodon, some combination of that. Right? So maybe Milwaukee is the best, highest leverage opportunity, the White Sox. You play Keegan Aiken against the Angels. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Angels have the highest run total. Yeah, that game is... Yeah, take a picture for that game. That's what that, that would be my first instinct of 
It's a three-game slate. I don't. Greg could get blown up. You play Milwaukee. Most bats are going to come from this game. I'm assuming. Otani's probably going to be popular to some extent. Agaris, Baltimore, Berea, DJ Stewart, Jamal Jones, Cincinnati. It's Fred Anderson. People are going to play that. Yeah, that's if I, if I was play, if I was playing the three game slate, I'd be playing Milwaukee. Milwaukee and the White Sox. They don't. They, I mean, from a from a point per dollar perspective, they don't they don't project well. Are people going to play Rodon? Do you play the Do you play the Blue Jays against them? I think more people play Gray. But I don't know. That's like like I said, I'm looking at this. This is the first two minutes I'm even looking at it. That would be my first instinct. Looking at Milwaukee here. Let's say we did that. Right? So to one, whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's look at 5x Milwaukee. What are, the, what are those lineups? Right, you're going to get a lot of gray. Oh, I didn't put in a stack type, right? Either Baltimore comes in a whole bunch because they're cheap. Let's say I play Milwaukee against gray. Because look, I mean, look at, I mean, look at the Ryu comes in, gray comes, like Ryu, Rodon, gray. I mean, that's what, that's what I thought the, the chalk would be. So either you're playing Milwaukee against Gray, or you're playing Ryu, you're playing the White Sox against Ryu, which is fine also. Just the Brewers are cheap, right? And they got some lefties here, right? Yelich, 5,100. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like, I, I would prefer the, the Brewers. So let's, 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 let's build the 20 lineups. Let's see what they look like. All right, so here you go. Rodon Ryu from the same game, which is fine. Manio Suarez, Santander, Otani, you're taking one-offs over there. Rodon Ryu. Is it, just, is it going to be Rodon Ryu and all of them? Yeah. So something like this. Maybe you're playing a 5-3, right? Rodon Ryu, Mountcastle, Urias, Santander, and the five-man Brewers. But based on my first instinct of, obviously, these are high-variance lineups. This is not like what's going to win. It's just what's the easiest path for me to win first place? So one of the chalk pitchers on a three-game slate, the bust. And what's correlative to that bust? That the team that they're facing doing well. So if you just said, no, I'm going to play Sonny Gray, and I'm going to stack somewhat. You don't have to stack five, man. Maybe you're doing fours. Maybe you're doing threes. It's a small slate. You, know, you may not need five, man to get there but that's my instinct the white Sox, the brewers or the blue jays and then you're playing whatever pitcher you're not playing in that lineup right that's it but yeah that that that's that's what i'd be doing and maybe i'd try to even avoid otani as a one-off 
they'll be in the angel stacks and they'll be popular. Right? I'd be more inclined to play locked five three than an Otani one off. Or you play a Phil Goslin one off. It's like, okay, I don't mind that. Just not a big fan of the the chalkiest guy on the chalkiest stack on a short slate where the ownership is already going to be condensed as it is. That that that's would be my thinking. Your thinking could be the same, just with different players. That's that's the point that I was making before. If you're like, oh, I get what you're saying. I'm going to play the White Sox, then I I think that's fine also. But if you play the White Sox, you're most li- you're, you're not likely to get gray here. I think the White Sox are, are more expensive and you may not be able to get like Rodon plus gray in that lineup without like getting some 2K player or something like that. Maybe you have, you have, you have the Oriole in that lineup. A lot of those lineups may look the same. Okie doke. So hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Dummy thumbs up, down, doesn't matter. Click around. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. If you want, if you want to do all this type of stuff that you can with lineup HQ, you should sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Right? I'm in the Discord. You can ask me questions anytime you want there. Right? I'm in the bat chat. I'm in the MMA chat. I'm in the MLB chat. I'm in every whatever. So click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. You play, try it out for a month. Play around with lineup HQ. You could use it as a research tool. People look at it and say, I'm not playing 100 lineups. Look at what I did. Like well, yesterday, I picked out my lineup that I played in single entry. Just, just from using lineup HQ. You could do that. Play around with it all you want. Do all the research you want. All this, all this combination. All that combination. I didn't think of that. It's not just for building 150 lines. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We, we got a lot. We got a lot of stuff. We have grinders live coming up later today. Crunch time for premium members. Uh, got stuff going on tomorrow. The NFL schedule is going to come out. It's going to be nuts, right? It'll be the type of thing where you know I'm not going to be able to go go longer than an hour on this because we're going to have seven million things going on. Who knows? Do I get preempted? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be tons of shows. Tune in. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell, tap around, play, hit the X button. Well, now you can hit the X button. The show is over, but I'll be back tomorrow for, for Casual Friday. Where I discuss DFS strategy, as always. Come on, that's, that's what we do here. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.